0: Hey, this is Pat Ricard, a.k.a. Project Pat, and you're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, the best Ravens podcast on the planet.
1: back to another edition of the baltimore beatdown podcast it is monday december 9th and by hook by crook and by avoiding the fucking refs the ravens are now 11 and 2. that was such a good like opening line i just got taken aback a little bit yeah it was a little bit of a uh improv for you there maybe i should be like a battle rapper or something you should you should have been on like mtv in the late 2000s doing some yo mama stuff or something but yeah man Ravens, 11-2. First time in franchise history. Jake and I are pumped. Jake was an angry boy with the old zebras. Yeah, I mean, it's almost a shame that we don't get to watch more games together because I know you would have been taking video of me and posting it on social media. So we do have to try and make that happen sometime, preferably in a stressful game where the refs are very much involved in themselves. <laughs> no more so, stressful games. No more stressful Well, you know, if it has to happen, it'll be for good content. And that's what I'm all about. The content, yeah. Yeah, and the refs were... I hate it when they get involved just generally like over the fact they're obviously just trying to increase their profile a little bit and get on TV. I I think everyone (laughs) can agree on that. Couldn't be more obvious. And today, Sean Smith. You know, I'm sorry. There was an NFL defensive back that had your name, and is more famous than you. And uh, now you're just lashing out at everyone. And yeah. It's, can, uh, can somebody like fake die so this guy can go rescue them in front of him? Like, someone go like pretend like your head's stuck in a car or something, and he can rescue you and get some headlines. So he just lets it be. And I was also watching Jerome Boger. 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 He actually Pico. Uh, fe- <laughs> Pico. He was famously the referee in Super Bowl 47. Little yes, fun fact. Yes, and you. he is one of the OGs. He's been around for a while. Parthenol fact. Offense. Number 45. But he keeps it so simple. And he does, yes, he does have a great, like, little funny voice. But he keeps it so simple. It would just be block in the back. Offense. Number 81. There's no crazy deliberation. Yeah, well, it's calm. like he's stoic. Yeah, I know what you're saying. They would throw it and then they would get together for approximately 10 minutes while everyone just kind of stood there with uh, their put in their hand. And it, it slowed the game. It. I, I don't know. Are we getting into this too early, or what do you think? Oh no, no, it's our initial reaction. I mean, the game—we're recording this right now, uh, third quarter of the Chiefs game. In the stew, the new stew yeah, we setup, a new studio setup. Jake just got it, gravy, baby. So we're chilling like villains, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's Sunday night. This is our initial reaction. That was an initial takeaway for sure. On the final drive, there were—and I mean, sure, you can throw the flag on Marlin for that pass interference. I'm fine with that. The one that really irked me was the Michael Pierce personal foul on the tackle. He didn't suplex the guy. He didn't do anything egregious. He just tackled him. It was a running back. Like if Steven Singletary slips out all of a sudden, what is what is that? I mean you don't want to get him let him get to the second level. It was a big play. Fifteen yards. Boom. Then Ravens end up having, you know, crushing, back breaking penalties the entire time. And yes, did Marlon trip and was that pretty much interfering with the receiver. Yeah. What happened to the aspect of pass interference? But I've always, like, seen that play, and it happens relatively frequently or more than you would think. Right. And it's always – sometimes it'll happen, the flag won't get thrown, and the announcer goes, like, yep, just got their feet tangled up there. Like, I've seen that happen he in did the benefit. He grab a little, so I think the trip hurt him. But my point here is – How far over the, over uh, Cole Beasley? What was it? John Brown, Cole Beasley, whoever it was. Beasley, yeah. How far was it over his head? It was 20 yards. It was not a catchable pass. It was, and he, I mean, Cole Beasley. Is going to be in the in the discussion for best actor uh, of the year, best performance, because with the what is it? The Oscars coming up? Yeah, what February? Yeah, it's going to be Leo. It's going to be Joaquin. Uh, it's going to be Cole. Yeah, the the blonde Rambo, Cole Beasley, is going to be in the mix for you heard that. his one. album? Either one of them. He has two albums. We'll play it on here sometime for fun. They're not good. <laughs> no, I have it not. Worse heard... Worse than Levy on Bell's album. I remember. <laughs> That was a debacle. The Le'Veon Bell thing, I re- I really loved it when people like stayed up listening to his album to oh, be like, Who I did. Oh. I oh yeah, I actually forgot. About that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you are the type of person that he's catering to with that. But yep. uh, good for him. He Capitalizing on You're welcome, Le'Veon. You're welcome. Yeah, it, yeah. So that's a little a little bit of a side note there. Shout out to Le'Veon Bell's uh, blossoming rap career now in the capital of uh, hip hop. But yeah, getting back to the game, it just felt like they were way too involved. They were over litigating things and it kind of gets you can always kind of tell what what tone they're going to set, whether they're going to let the guys play or they're going to just completely throw themselves into the game and become the story of the game. And it feels like there's no in between anymore. There's no guys that are just like calling games pretty much correct. And it's tough to get it perfect. It's tough to even get it correct with the way that the NFL rulebook is set up. But these guys are being set up to fail. And uh, absolutely today they failed big time. It's systematically leaving things up to discretion and it feels like the refs are having to think too much. It's... Too many shades of gray. And I mean, it's just been a problem my entire life. I feel like it's been expanding and expanding and it feels like we were born and then started becoming fans. You and I are in our mid 20s, so I'm sure some of our older listeners maybe can call us out. Tell me if I'm wrong, but it feels like football didn't have so many rule changes and interpretations and adjustments to the actual game through the 70s and 80s. Into the nineties and then things rapidly started changing and, and now we're seeing, I mean, Roger Goodell's NFL is what it is. So it's just been the last couple of years. I mean, there were calls that could have gone against the Ravens that didn't, and sure, and that's that seems to be whenever there's been a poorly officiated game, it has not only affected the Ravens, it has affected both teams significantly this year. And I can say that blatantly. So it's like, you know, which way is the pendulum going to swing heavier all of a sudden, and who's going to get what advantage, this, that, and the other. And particularly, stop throwing so many fucking flags in the last two minutes of a game. Yep. At the end of the game, let people play. In the playoffs, what do you see? In play- In any sport, playoff basketball, end of the season, end of the game, any sport, let them fucking play to me, that's a big time part of what it comes down to is just letting them play. That's what kind of what I'm talking about when I'm talking about them getting involved, like stop making such a huge mark on the game. Like just let it play out, let it breathe a little bit. Um, yeah, it's just, really a simple game. game. They're slow. It is simple. They're slowing the pace of it and they're making it more complicated than it needs to be. And, uh, it's in a word, it's uh, sad. It is. So whatever. I mean, imagine how mad we would be if it was a loss. Which it was not. And we're obviously very negative here and um like you said, bad things came out for both teams. It didn't solely affect the Ravens. But I'm not even yeah, I'm not even like talking about this in relation to the outcome of the game. Yes. I mean, I think if you know, some calls had gone the Ravens' way, which were pretty egregious, they could have won by two scores here. But there were also some pretty kind of phony calls that went against Buffalo. And I saw some Buffalo fans chirping about that. I saw, obviously, Ravens fans talking about how bad that rest were. Those fan bases deserve to be pissed about yeah, this Yeah, I mean, it was, there were just plenty of bad calls to go around, so I'm not going to necessarily talk about it in relation to the outcome of the game. It was just so ugly and not fun to watch. I mean, Neal Thomas... That was for terrible, exact. yeah. LJ Fort, the roughing the passer, that was terrible. I even get those ones. I even get, like, all right, you want, you're going to flag if you hit the quarterback hard. Like, I even get those. But the Earl Thomas one, I mean freaking look well it's just it wasn't a penalty is the thing like there's he got no pushed into him and pushed like okay let me just flop Wait, what was the alternative he just flops over top of him like, yeah there's it's no, the same there's, thing there's no argument that was not it's the same thing And I guess like if you only see one exact split second if you see the one second it looks like girl Thomas just pushes Josh Allen's head but it was just stuff like that um, but anyway whatever the refs suck today It was just a shitty game. It was a slop fest, man. It was a slop fest. We were out in the pig trough in Buffalo covered in ketchup and mustard with Pinto Ron. Ravens came out of a good old slop fest. And I mean, the defense stood on their heads. Truly suffocated the Bills. The pass rush won the game. Um, Marcus Peters... At the end of the game, obviously we'll kind of go through and do the entire game. I was going to say, do you want to? So we're burying the lead a little bit here. Yeah, we, let's let's get started. Let's talk through it. Let's what so, through it. Well, what I'm, say, what I'm saying is, do you want to throw it to our interview? Yeah, let's do it. So we have an interview with a now friend of the show, I guess. I mean, he kind of already was. Oh, he's friend of the show. He intros every uh, every episode at this point. His name is projects Pat Ricard the Fullback defensive tackle uh, we were able to get in touch with the Ravens and set up a little bit of an interview with him uh, he gave us about a half an hour shout out of- Kyle P Barber thank you for setting that up for us our managing editor we yep. love you that's our guy we love him and uh, he was you know did a great job booking this thing for us and uh, there's going to be more player interviews coming in the future via that way I believe so uh, it was a really fun interview like I was saying he gave us about a half an hour uh, this was back on Friday so not a ton really pertaining to any specific game or anything it was just more of a general chat so it was a ton of fun uh, we'll throw it to that uh, in a second first I just want to announce the winner of the roast five star um, iTunes of Baltimore roast review podcast. exactly so those we got a ton of really funny awesome submissions you guys uh Well, listen, you know, let's just call it, you know, let's just call it like it is. Some of you went a little too far and that's okay. You know, that's what we we begged for it. I'm a big boy. I can take it uh, for the most part. Um, But so we had listener Chris Caldwell left the five star rating on Wednesday titled it confidence boost like none other. Every now and then, I wake up in the morning and I feel insecure ellipses. I'm concerned with my ability to be effective at my job, come off as intelligent and competent, and live life to the fullest. If anyone else out there shares the same experiences, this podcast is for you. The incompetent, childish, churlish sick, Chris, you know, big words, quote unquote, analysis will brighten your day. You'll realize that maybe you're not a drop dead rock, gorgeous rock star, but at least you don't spend your time doing a fake drunken analysis of a football team, both of your to both of your listeners twice a week. Eh, Nice dig. You know, we we could produce the receipts if we want to talk about the listenership. Listen to this pod on the drive into work and you will have a pep in your step. You'll know that if these two brainiacs continue to be regularly employed, your job is safe forever. Uh, hey, Chris, you said your job, Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. That means you are not your idiot, idiot, Um. Kudos to these two great Americans for putting their ineptitude on display for the betterment of everyone else. Self sacrifice to its fullest. We are martyrs, and you're welcome. We are stringing ourselves out, and you're the winner, buddy. You're the winner, Chris. We also had some hilarious ones. I think my favorite one—that one just took so much work and put in so much effort. Like we love. Yeah, we kind of had to give it to him. I mean, that was really, really funny. That was some like Rowland Poe shit. That Yeah, was dark. sure. And I think my favorite one is Nick nine six 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 six. Fat? Question mark. (laughs) Assault. Assault. I don't know what you guys look like, but you both sound pretty fat. It's okay if you are. I love the podcast. The Ravens. Keep up the good work. Some sort of uh, emoji didn't get in there. Something. And he just ended it, Nick. That Dude. one, that one actually really made me. Laugh. <laughs> yeah, I, I tweeted that one out actually with the old Schefter assault. So uh, yeah, we had we had that one. We had one kind of taking a shot at my forehead a little bit. I think he was hey, referencing Big Dumb Club baby, my old Twitter avatar, which it was just a bad visual. My forehead's not really that big. I just styled my hair weirdly that night, and I think I was sweating or something, so I come it back. But uh, shout out to you for noticing that. And yeah, plenty of plenty of fun other ones. Another one is Fat. fat. That's minical. Two, quote unquote, he used quotes, quotations, like I'm imagining air quotes so well. He says, two, quote unquote, Ravens fans walk into a bar. I listen to these guys every week and I honestly couldn't even tell you their names until the last minute of the episode when guy number one said Jake's name about 20 times in the final few minutes. Apparently, Jake does not want to be roasted too bad. These, quote unquote, drunken. So he's calling us liars about (laughs) being drunks. We're fake drunks. Yes, we're both sober. Uh, Drunken idiots are nothing more than two to pretend to be drinking during their podcast by adding can opening sound effects every now and again during the podcast. I can't even call these guys a knockoff Big Cat and PFT because that would be giving them too much credit. Their takes are hot and irrational and sound like two strangers chatting in line for a porter potty. That <laughs> Did he say porter potty? Port a potties. Okay. So, so he got it. Mm. Just Chatting imagining a, ra- a rainy day and like Camden Yards, and we're just underneath a, an overpass, waiting to get into a porta potty. Natty light. I can visualize that. Yes, that literally is what we are, basically. But saying that they're podcasters, but if you're a Ravens fan and PMT doesn't give you enough to listen to on our Victory Mondays, give you these guys a listen, and your Monday will somehow go even slower than normal. Yeah. Well, you had to sit through like two months of pardon my take calling the Ravens fraud so if you're into that then go listen to them if you like that self punishment because big cat threw out the big F it's tough it's tough uh, a couple other great ones but yeah we're gonna go with the one that just really ripped our throats out and uh, made us ble- we bled to death on the floor yeah okay so uh, uh, you know that was nice <laughs> You got. You guys are really funny and creative. Keep it up. But uh, yeah, no one will keep serious, it air quotes up. Yeah. In all seriousness, there were a lot of really funny ones and uh, it was cool. So I think we're going to be doing something similar. Maybe not on the uh, roasting front. My ego is going to be. Maybe we'll come for, back and, and make you guys leave positive reviews because. Yeah, well, it, I'll we be a little more enthusiastic the world. about that. We got to balance it out. The yin with the yang. Yeah, agreed. So we're going to do that. Maybe another giveaway. We've been working potentially on getting, you know, a shirt design up just for the show, uh, which would be kind of sick. Literally. Yeah, definitely. So with that, uh, we can throw it to the interview with our boy, Dr. Patrick Ricard of the Baltimore Ravens. Project Pat. All right. We now welcome on a very special guest. He is a fullback slash defensive lineman slash tight end slash food connoisseur. It's Pat Ricard of your Baltimore Ravens. Pat, how you doing today, man?
0: I'm doing good. How are you guys doing?
1: We're doing great. So just jumping right into it. A lot of times with our guests, we like to sort of go back to the beginning of where they got their start with football. Um, do you kind of remember how you got into the sport?
0: Um, so... Growing up, I never played football. I played baseball. with My brother and my dad used to coach us for little league. I played from second grade on, and then my older brother, who's two years older than me, he wanted to play really bad, and my mom wouldn't let him because um, he was kind of a, a smaller kid. So she finally let him play Pop Warner, but he was like close. He was closer to high school. He only played a couple years. So then I was a couple years younger than him, and then I wanted to play because I had some good friends who who were playing. So my first year playing football ever was sixth grade playing Pop Warner and I played for two years and then I was still big into baseball so eighth grade I didn't play. I played fall ball baseball instead and then high school is when I really started to play football all the way through.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you were a standout player in Massachusetts in the 2000s into the 2010s, which is obviously
0: Pats country. Uh, Did you grow up a Pats fan at all? Yep, that's all I watched was uh, Patriots, all Boston sports. I... You know, I like watching sports, but if I, if I was growing up even now, well, not now anymore, but growing up, if I was watching any sports, it was all Boston. I didn't watch any other, any other teams.
1: True. That's awesome. So you brought that uh, mm-hmm. winning culture down here with you. So we appreciate that. What, what kind of <laughs> positions do they have you playing in high school? I mean, you're obviously one of the few, like, two-way players in the NFL. What what, would they, what do they start you out at? What do they kind of have you doing there? Because I know in high school, you definitely switch around a lot more.
0: Yeah, um, so I went to a smaller high school, so... Um, a lot of guys played multiple positions uh, two ways. You know, that's just kind of how it was. Um, so my high school offense ran a double-wing offense. So it's all gaps, game, power, football, all super close splits. So I played fullback and tight end in that offense. And then defense, I played only linebacker for all four years. So then once I got to uh, recruiting for college, I was, you know, a bigger guy. So a lot of schools wanted me to convert to a D lineman, and that's what I did. Yeah, and what was that process like for you and what ended up leading to your decision to go with Maine? Um, so like I said, I went to a smaller high school, so I didn't get you know that much exposure. So um, I only had a few offers, and one of them was you know the University of Maine, and then my other one was the Division two school, um, Saint Anselm in uh, New Hampshire. And I just I wanted to compete at Division one level. Um, other than that, I was looking at a lot of Ivy League schools, um, and then uh, I had a chance to walk on at UConn, but um, obviously you know you want to take a scholarship over walking on, and you know. I had a better chance of playing right away so um i liked my visit at maine so i decided to take it
1: when you were there did you at any point kind of think you were going to be able to make a serious jump to the league or were you just kind of playing it by ear and hoping for the best
0: um when you're saying like when i first like started playing there or, or like in the recruiting process
1: i guess just like was there a moment where you're like okay this can maybe be a real thing like doing this profession
0: right um, so my retro freshman year, so my second year there, I, that was my first year actually playing. Um, it was probably like, middle towards the end of the season we were inside it was it was like thundering outside so we were inside the dome and there was a, a colt scout there and he, you know he just looks around and stuff always looks at the seniors and you know i always dreamed of them looking at me like oh man like is this ever gonna happen and then my defensive coordinator at the time his name was name paul ferraro he was he was in the, he used to coach in the nfl for numerous years so you know he obviously you know has experience and all that and we we're just doing warm-ups and the Colts scout was looking around and, and i my defensive coordinator was just staring at me and he came up to me he's like said he's like, you know that guy is watching you right like he's scouting you right now and i was just like hit me i'm like oh my god oh my gosh like he really is he talked to me after practice and everything and and at that moment i realized you know here i am a retro freshman and Still, I was only 19. I'm still developing, still getting bigger, stronger, and all that. And I just realized, like, if I really committed, really focused, and really gave everything I have, then you know, maybe there is a possibility of actually getting, you know, more looks and maybe have the chance. And when I first got there, there was multiple players from University of Maine who got drafted, who was, who was in the NFL. So I knew it was a possibility. So I think at that point, that's when I really started to, you know, have the possibility of that actually happening.
1: Right, and I don't think people have really gone back and watched how big of a freaking jerk you were on that defensive line for Maine and how kind of big of a bully you were in your own conference and and playing otherwise. So where was your head at going into the draft and what were you kind of getting feel for and uh, what teams were you in contact with? What was the whole deal
0: there? Um, So it was first signing on my agent, uh, Mike DeVito, he played for nine years, came out of the University of Maine. He moved back up there. Uh, he retired my last year, so he, he was around my last season. So I was able to really talk to him and get advice and everything. I sat with an agency, and the agent was just like, you know, I, I think you're have, I think you're talented as a defensive player, especially a defensive lineman. Um, we're just going to want you to gain a little bit more weight because my senior year I was, I was around 285. So he said, we need you around like 300, and that's what I worked out. the My whole training process before the draft, my pro day, was get to that weight, comfortable, lean, make sure I'm still explosive and fast, and I was able to weigh 300. And then – um, that was the plan was just coming as a three technique and then um for teams recruiting wise I had more official visits for NFL teams I did, did college teams coming out like out of high school. I had like four I had like four visits. I had a couple private workouts, like three or four private workouts. Um it was the possibility of me getting drafted really low, like sixth or seventh round. And then um for the Ravens I actually did not have a private workout. I did not have a visit here, but instead, what I had was just the constant communication with coaches here recruiting me. Like the whole like for a solid month, I had at one point the head coach call me, the defensive coordinator call me, the defensive line coach call me, and then Drew Wilkins, the assistant defensive line coach, calling me and texting me every other day, just seeing how I was doing, sending me like videos, sending me like just recruitment stuff and all this stuff. And um when it came time to Draft day, I had teams calling me in the sixth and seventh round, just telling me like, "Hey, if you're going drafted, we're gonna want to, you know, sign you and everything." And my phone was just going off, like every like I was getting phone calls while I was on the phone people. I was, and this, this, the whole time that was happening, I probably had like ten teams keep communicating with me and I had probably five offers already. And at that time I had the Ravens calling me back before my agent would call me back. And they were still constantly calling me the whole time. And just seeing the depth here, um, the experience they had with undrafted players, making the roster and um, being, you know, somewhat close to where I'm from in Massachusetts. And um, I just thought it was a good fit. And I decided to uh, take the offer and come here as an undrafted player.
1: Yeah, so you signed with them, and obviously you're a defensive guy by trade. You were D-tackle in that draft. Mm-hmm. What was the conversation to getting you involved on in the offensive side of the ball? And like, do you think that willingness to kind of do what they were asking of you helped you make the team that year?
0: Yeah, so um, being drafted, I knew I had to do, go above and beyond um, every little thing. I knew I had to, um, you know— show out and, you know, make plays and everything, so every opportunity I had or anything they gave me, I knew how to take it and so I was all in for anything I wanted me to do so, first we go with TAs I'm here, playing D-line and everything and um, at this point they just traded, oh, not trade uh not traded away Kyle Jusicek signed a deal with 49ers so they didn't have a fullback, so they were converting a, a running back and they had a, a guy in my class who was on undrafted fullback, so you know, they didn't really have a guy yet for that so it's a weekend or so and Greg Roman is the run game coordinator he comes up to me in the hallway and he's just like hey uh, I want to give you a rapid fullback in, in practice. I'm like alright cool and he's like alright you're just going to line up here like split the crotch of the, of the tackle and you're going to uh, lead up the middle and you're going to block the mic. I'm like alright so then next, the day comes and I, I have to go in and I do it and I like did very well. Like, I, A guy came through the middle like uh, I, don't remember I think it was Willie Henry at the time like came up the middle I was able to like push him out of the way and then climb up to the mic and get the mic perfectly. And I think that day in the team meeting room. Um, we always pull up like plays from practice, and uh, Harbs pulled up the play in front of the whole team, and just kind of like, and like showcased it in front of everybody. And then it just kind of evolved from that. Because um, I told him I played fullback in high school, and I think he really like was like, okay, you played for, you played the position for, alright. So let's let's actually see if you can learn some more stuff. And it just kind of evolved, just learning more and more, playing you know some tight end and fullback, and at the same time I was still. Um, playing with the defense. And then it just kind of just evolved from there.
1: Right. That's awesome. And I mean, 2017 seems like it was a whirlwind for you. I mean, you caught a pair of touchdowns, had personal success. You're going both ways. The team's going, you know, in this positive direction. And then all of a sudden the season ends in heartbreaking fashion, obviously. And was it difficult to kind of balance the – high emotion and the pride that you had in yourself with kind of the disappointment of missing the playoffs at the last minute. Yeah. Um,
0: Cause I know early, I think my rookie year we were kind of like struggling middle of the season. And then we started like winning a lot of games towards the end. And we we're like, all right, wow. Okay. We most likely could be able to go to playoffs now. And then the last game of the year, I like was under the impression that if we lost, we still had a very like like a 90-something percent chance to make a playoff. So you know it was it was a, it was a you know I thought it was assured we're going in, and then obviously fourth and whatever it was, fourth and twelve. Andy Dalton just throws a beautiful pass and they score and we lose. And I go in the locker room. and I'm like, "All right, cool. We're getting ready for next week." All of a sudden, Harvey is saying how it was a privilege to coach us this year, and I was like, "What the heck?" like okay and I guess like the teams that we needed to that needed to lose they all won so it was just kind of that thing um yeah, it was a heartbreak, but at the same time, my rookie year was a, the, the rookie season is always so long because as soon as you finish college, you go right into training. So it's a whole, you know, a whole long process, and um, you know, it was a very special year for me. So,
1: yeah, definitely, it's like an interesting dynamic where like you're an undrafted guy who maybe you're not sure if you you got a future with the team. You prove yourself big mm-hmm. time, and then it ends in disappointing fashion like that. But then going into eighteen, a ton of changes happen. You know, you bring in Lamar Jackson, which you know probably had to be kind of crazy for you as a fullback it's like well I'm going to be playing with that guy and then in 18 were there any specific moments where after Lamar took over it's like damn we got something special in this guy and what was kind of the talk of him going into this season when everyone was kind of talking about how he was figured out after that charger game
0: so when he first got here when you saw him in OTAs and, and training camp, you just saw like just the raw skills and athleticism. And um, you just saw the competitiveness in him. It just, it just needed time for him to develop as a, as a thrower develop into, you know, more of the pro pro offense of learning the big playbooks and all everything. And um, when, when he started to play last season, midway through the season, when Joe got hurt, we kind of had to like uh, tweak our offense to, you know, suit more of his play style, and it kind of it's kind of just slapped together. Uh, Greg Roman and all the offensive coaches did a great job of just doing the best they could at the time with the players we had to have success with them, and it was working. And then, obviously, the playoff game, um, the Chargers just schemed it up very well. Um, And, you know, I I, I don't think going into the offseason there was really like, oh, man, like, what are we going to do now? Because the team figured us out. No, what it was was Greg Roman is now the offensive coordinator. So now he was able to revamp the whole offense in terms of making it simpler for us, making it so the same play for us. We can run it in so many different formations and different motions and shifts that it might look so different for a defense, but for us it's the exact same thing. And I, and I always compare it to what uh, Coach Wink, the defensive coordinator, did last year with the defense. He did the same thing, revamped the whole off defense so we could run one blitz in eight different fronts. Maybe it looks completely different. And on top of that, um, this now it was time for Lamar to have the whole offseason of um, you know being the number one guy Getting all the reps, getting the chemistry with all all these players, and you know we drafted a you know bunch of great players, and even last year's draft with the two tight ends. Now it was time for them to develop as well. Plus with Lamar, I just think just all of that together, I think it really just gave more confidence with Lamar and more just uh, uh, just chemistry and flow with the whole team. And now we're just seeing a product of just all of that coming together.
1: Absolutely, I mean you guys have Greg Roman take over. He streamlined everything. You compare that to Wink, which is so true. Hollywood Mm -hmm. comes in, brings that Broward County fire. We got Mark Ingram coming in to follow you at the running back position. And, I mean, we were covering training camp, and we saw, like, man, this this offense is legit. What were your expectations for this offense? Because, I mean, at this point, you guys are leading the NFL in, like, anything that you can think of.
0: Right. Um, You know, for me, offense is still somewhat – I want to say new, but, like, you know, I, I didn't play offense in, in, uh, in college at all, so I'm not really sure, like, what to expect of, of us in training camp and all that because I don't know, like, what's exactly I should be seeing. Like, defense, I can tell more just because I've been so involved with defense for so long my whole life. But, I mean, I knew we were going to be good. I just wasn't sure if we're gonna be this good, like record-breaking good. Just absolutely, just running the ball. You know, just averaging over 200 yards a game. Like I, I didn't, I wasn't sure if that was gonna happen. But I mean, just the guys we have. I mean, adding Mark Ingram and Justice Hill and just Gus Edwards, who is a, a hidden gem from last year. He's also going to draft a guy that was on practice squad earlier in the year. I think it was just. It's just been phenomenal. It's been a, it's been a very special year, and um, I mean, it's been so much fun to block for all these special players. So I just, you know, hopefully we just keep it going for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned you're a new fullback. Like, do you ever just look mm-hmm. at Mark Ingram and go, "Holy shit, that guy's so good."
0: <laughs> so I always tell people the story too. So when he first got here. So obviously we played against some played against the Saints last year and I gotta see a little bit of him. but and obviously I knew he was a great back, and he was a Heisman winner and everything and when he got here I just didn't know how good he was because running backs don't can't Really play live because obviously you know we can't like we can't be tackling each other in OTA right. training camp and all that. So the very first play in the first game against Miami, we ran 94 power to the right and I had to kick out the end and I and I kicked this guy out and I look forward and the very first play of the game and I just see Mark just literally running full speed downhill <laughs> and people are bouncing off of trucking guys and I'm just and I'm just running after him and he had a 60 yard run and that after that play. I was like, okay, this guy is legit. He is—he's the real deal. I can—I see why we paid him all this money and, and why he's just that kind of player. And. And now being with him for, you know, the rest of this whole season from that point, he's not even it's not even what he does on the field. It's also, what he does off the field. He just brings so much energy, so much swag, so much. He he, he brings the culture to this team together and all the stuff he does. is just he's just I, I love playing with him. He's such an awesome guy to be around.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you're a part of that tight end group. And I don't think people realize how many times you split out into the slot or split out as a receiver and come in motion. You're an inline tight like you're all over the offense. What's it been like basically being with Hearst, Andrews, Boyle? I mean, those dudes are knocking skulls with you. And what's that room like? What's that energy like?
0: So, so half the time with the defense, half the time I'm in that room. Um, when I'm on with those guys, those guys, they're, they're half, they, those three, they have to be the tightest group I've ever seen in my whole life for any any sport, any group of any team I've been on, they're just, they want, they bring the, uh most out of each other. They're always so competitive. They're really like brothers. They they wrestle with each other all the time. They're always just like messing around. And in the coaches that are in there with, with uh Andy and Bobby, they're also a part of the brotherhood. It's just such a close like family in there and they all just want so much out of each other. They're always just have high standards for each other and they're competing against each other. They're just constantly like when they go eat at they're always together. So when they go eat together they'll compete who can eat the most food or compete who the tallest to compete like it's like they're 11 like, years old kinda. it's not like yeah, yeah years old. exactly but it, it brings the, the best out of each other just because you're always competing and it's just kind of how they are and when I'm in there I kind of you know throw my things my, my two bits in there and I kind of compete with them and you know like sometimes uh, we'll just like make fun of each other watching film and obviously like we're all, we're all doing, we're having great years so we can just kind of just like tease each other and stuff. But I mean, I I don't think you could have a better group of tight ends in this league playing the way they are and being in the room with them. And um, it's very special. Um, I mean, I'm happy to be a part of it.
1: Yeah. So who
0: would that be? Like, is
1: it just the same dynamic for the D line with you? Like on the other side of the ball, are you kind of like mixing it up with those guys?
0: Yeah, of course. But um, I mean, but there's more. There's more guys. Um, the D line room has probably got like right now, including practice squad and everything, probably like 15 players. And D-line, the tight end room. Think about it. There's only three of them and one practice squad guy. So there's plus two coaches. There's only six players in there. So it's like they're all just super close. We can have like personal conversation. Like D line room is a little, a little more guys, and you know, I, I wouldn't say it's more. A little more serious in there, but it kind of has to be because there's more. Uh, there's more uh, assignments for more players, more, there's a bunch of stuff that's evolved in there. Um, but no, I mean, uh, coach Collin. he's, he's an amazing coach. He's very personable. He keeps, he keeps the light in there, but he also keeps it serious. And all the, all the, the vets are in there are great with Brandon Williams and the new two, uh, additions with, uh, jelly, Justice, just Ellis and, uh, Echo and all them. So, um, but I mean, those guys, my ride or die guys, they're my, you know, my day ones. I've been with them since I first got here. Um, that's why I got my nickname project. Pat is from that group. Um project huh yeah so <laughs> So, I mean, it's two different families, two different brotherhoods. Um, it's just a different different feeling. Yeah, man, and it seems like you've been
1: killing that rip move along the defensive line. And my favorite, like one of my favorite things I've seen out of this team the entire year is whenever you meet somebody in the hole, if you're on the offensive side of the ball, or when you put that rip on against the Bengals and smacked Finley, you get that sack. Your immediate reaction is you always just start jumping up and down. Like you just start popping up in the air like, let's go, baby. And I mean, you ended up getting on angry runs, doing the same kind of stuff, and uh, it's just been so much fun to watch you grow, especially along the defensive line. How far do you feel you've come since you entered the NFL as, you know, a down lineman, a pass rusher, and all this good stuff?
0: Yeah, um, so when I first got here as a defensive lineman, the biggest thing was just adjusting to the way their technique is and how they play defense here. When I was at Maine, it was more of just get off the ball, hit your gap, and stay in your gap, and and just and just – uh penetrate. Here it's more striker guy, squeeze him down, stay square, um, play your gap and then and then once the ball declares then you can rip off and so that was a big that was a big jump for me. So so just from that Um, learning the defense. um, I was able to really, you know, develop my skills. And the same with pass rushing. I was just really understand um, how to pass rush in terms of your rush lanes, knowing when to go inside, when you have to go inside, situational, um, all that stuff. I was, you know, uh, my first years defensively, I I only got around 40 snaps in the seasons. And a a reason for that is because they had a lot of great players here who, um, who, you know, had to play and they were here to play and um, I was completely found that I was able to develop and really learn from those guys and um, this year with players moving from free agency or guys getting released I know I had more of an opportunity to play and um, I think that's what everyone's been seeing now.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it led to a big payday for you the other day. So talk us through that whole process, like how the extension went down and kind of where were your emotions at? Because I feel like it's got to be, you know, not the end of a journey, but sort of a big, big time benchmark uh, in one that started with you, you know, playing it like an FCS school. How, how did that feel? Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I'll just take it back from uh, the end of last year and off season. So end of last year I was I was an actor for like four or five games and then the off season just there's a lot of talks with people were just saying like, Oh, like I don't think power car is gonna make this team and then he's uh, replaceable. He we don't need him as a fullback. We have Ted ends here who can block just as good as him and all this stuff and blah 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 and I, I just said F that because I believe in myself and I know uh there's opportunity for me here with Greg Roman now being the O. C with uh, people leaving in free agency. I just knew that, like, just I just have to grind and improve and just, you know, really show my worth. So then. Um, when it came time to the season and everything um, preseason hit and I was doing well and then uh, they started having talks with me with, with extending me probably after the second preseason game and at that point I was just like I was just like blown away Like I just like wow like I can't believe this like here I am like trying to prove myself that I can make this team with everyone saying that like I wasn't going to make it and here the front office is trying to extend me so at that point, uh, it just came kind of gave me that confidence, and just like, okay, like they they want me here. I just got to keep improving, keep playing well, and then we just had um, continuous conversations with trying to extend me with just multiple offers with my agent doing a great job. From uh, his name is Buddy Baker from Exclusive Sports Group in Indianapolis and the front office here, and it was just continuing all the whole season up until now, and we finally came with a, a deal that made sense for both of us, both parties, and I'm. I'm just unbelievable, um, humbled and appreciative and just uh, fortunate for them to give me the opportunity to keep playing here and you know continue to play football because um, I love this sport and I want to be able to support my family for many years to come and I think now it's finally starting to you know starting to pay off and you know this is I think this is just the beginning for me I think now that um, I had this extension I gotta just keep proving myself and earn the money that They want to give me and then you know for the future as well. Absolutely, brother, and congratulations on that. You clearly
1: worked your ass off to get there and have been elemental to the team's success. You guys are firing on all cylinders right now. And what's I mean the one goal that you have as a player for yourself to close out the year, and then what would you say is the team's overarching goal, simply put, at this point as a 10 and 2 football team?
0: Um, I mean my goal is always just do the best I can do to help this team win. Um, I mean, like for the offseason, season, my goal was just to make the team again. You know, that was it. That's all. I, that's all I was thinking of. Whatever I got to do to make this team, whatever I got to do to make myself more valuable. If I have to play fullback, tight end, if I have to play D line, whatever I got to do, special teams. I don't care. I, I want to make this team. I want to help this team win games. Um, all right, and then um, and then now there's talks to me potentially make a Pro Bowl, you know, that's something that I never ever thought a million years would ever be possible. I never if you asked me university man if I would ever be a Pro Bowl fullback, I never I would just laugh at you. <laughs> that's something that um, you know, I don't I don't look into I'm not like looking I'm like, oh myself be looking at you know, in Pro Bowl voting and all that stuff. But, I mean that's something that's a uh, an amazing accomplishment to get. So I mean that's something I'm looking forward to possibly happening, but at the end of the day all I really care about is just helping this team win games and just keep winning and just you know, get a long run in the playoffs and hopefully go to the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, definitely. And that's sick. Uh so we know you gotta get running here. So last question. Yep. Uh you definitely don't know this, but this is not your first time on this show. Um, does this sound familiar to you at all?
0: This is what this, hey, why this familiar. is what's power car. Aka oh. Pat, <laughs> and you're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, the best hey. podcast on the planet. You remember that? Hey. Yep, of course I do. Sick. And actually, you guys, I think you guys posted that recently. Yeah, guys, yeah, we did. You guys like tweeted at me or something, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. So uh, we really appreciate yeah. that, dude. Best 15 bucks I ever spent. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we actually gave you your first contract extension. It was 15 bucks. Hey, so 15. shout out to you. Oh, <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, we appreciate awesome. it, man. We really appreciate appreciate that. Go we ahead. appreciate you coming on the show and uh, all the awesome stuff you're doing for the team. Congrats on the extension and uh, best of luck for the rest of the year. And go Ravens.
0: Yes. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it, and uh, I always appreciate reading you guys' articles and all you guys. I do keep up with the stuff you guys post, so keep it, keep it up.
1: Breaking hey, we love to you. hear it, buddy. Better believe, when your ass is in the Pro Bowl, I will be getting that Project Pat Pro Bowl jersey, baby. Oh, there we go. I love it. Awesome, man. Well, uh, have a good one, and uh, best of luck the rest of the year. Thanks again.
0: All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Have a good one.
1: See See ya. All right, so we're back. That was a really fun interview. Shout out to you, Project Pat, uh, apparent follower of the website and potentially uh, knower of who we are, which is pretty insane. I kind of didn't really expect him to answer like that to the uh, cameo question, but that was pretty cool. We've loved him. We've been on the Project Pat train. He knows it. We're, we're Team Project Pat. Dude got the contract extension. He's been balling out. Also, this just went back in my brain. I know we're trying to maybe move away from the refs, but there was a holding on Pat Ricard. We didn't see it. They never never showed it. There was three penalties on the Ravens that I can recall that were not replayed. There was a couple of those, yeah, that they just didn't show. And that always grinds my gears. I need to see a replay. CBS doing an awful job. I mean... Dan Fouts was, like, talking about pizza. He was like, oh, I can't wait for the... It was, like, a dramatic game in the fourth quarter. Dan Fouts is going, oh, you know, I can't wait for the post-production show and we can get some pizza. I was like, you senile old fuck. Yo, I didn't... Yeah. There were a couple of... Like, he was awful today, and there were a couple of things that I missed from him, one of which was that Marv Levy and his wife were, like, writing poetry to each other. My buddy Kenny reached out uh, to me on Twitter and <laughs> pointed that out, and, you know, that's cuck city. And then Iron Eagle is just like, oh, my god, I like I, I like Eagle. He e. kind of reminds me of big play Kevin Harlan. He's the cheap ver- – he's, he's like a nerd. He, he's Kevin Harlan if, like – Adam Shine like had an illegitimate son that like grew up in the New York area like that's that's Iron Eagle but I do like Iron Eagle a lot I didn't li- I just didn't like his day it was not great the cameraman was also getting faked out on. <laughs> Punts, passes, options. He was drunk. I think they might have been at uh, Duff's a little bit too late last night, uh, having some wings and brewskis. But yeah, they had some Jameson. and rough day. Rough day at New Era Field. Um, Hard-hitting game. Very physical. I mean, both quarterbacks. Got crushed. It was. So let's jump into that. The Ravens defense won them this game. Agree or disagree? Agree. 100% agree. The offense was supplemental and just made just enough plays. I mean, the defense gave them great field position. Ravens didn't have to do too much offensively. I mean, the Bills really smothered their running game. The I mean, Ravens averaged 3.58 yards per carry, I believe. Um, stuffed them. They did it by blitzing up the A-gaps and then having those outside linebackers kind of just not really jump the running back, but making sure that, you know, they were trying to blow holes up for Mark Ingram uh, to get through. And I maybe would have liked to see more Gus Edwards, and it feels like we'll get into it more, but I feel like the play calling offensively was not good today. Maybe the worst play calling of the season. I know that this happens to some extent, um, and I do think that, today Wink Martindale just said go out there and just hit the fuck out of Josh Allen yeah take 15 yard penalties see there's a lot of times where I'm happy if you rock a quarterback they are not going to want to sit in the pocket. And sometimes that's worth 15 yards. A lot of times for me, that's worth 15 yards. Allen seems like he got his ankle tugged on a little bit. And uh, he was, he was taking it. I mean, to his credit. Oh yeah. He didn't have a good game and people kind of trash on him. I think sort of unfairly still to some extent, but he was really taken. I mean, there was one that it it was coming out like a roll off to the right. And I forget who it was, but he threw it to the right corner of the end zone. It was an incompletion and he just got, I think uh, Peter's like knock that one away. Yeah, exactly. That was a dime and he got rocked. It yeah. might've been four or somebody just completely leveled Ford with him. a monster game. He is a really good spy or late delayed blitzer against these mobile quarterbacks. We've seen him really deal well with Russell Wilson with Deshaun Watson. Today he got a lot of run him and Bynes. Bynes looked awesome too. Awesome. Played their asses off today. Uh, the whole defensive front, really the front seven was incredible. Brandon Williams made, I mean, Vaz and I and Jake were all talking about it in the Slack chat. Brandon Williams, who, I mean, I've been a critic of. Vaz has been very heavily. <laughs> Vaz hates him. He, he doesn't. I don't think he hates him this year. I think he doesn't hate him anymore officially. Um, oh, my God. We're watching the Cardinals-Steelers game, and there's yeah, thousand like yellow towels. It looks like the Ravens' uh, division title is going to have to wait a week. They're win today. Puts them at 11-2. and two. They clinched the playoff spot, but they needed a Steelers loss. So it doesn't look like that's going to happen today, with it being 23-17 with 48 seconds left to go. We're about to it, be 4th and 12 in Arizona. We know how that goes. Yeah. Um so yeah, Sealer's gonna go to eight and five, but I guess back to the defense. <laughs> I mean other than just like smash Josh Allen what was really the plan because it felt like Devin Singletary was making a couple of plays I tweeted at sure. the beginning of the game that uh, single Gary uh, was getting a lot of run and like looking really good and that yeah my brother pointed out to me that I had a typo there single, single Gary single Gary and then He's I was like prowl I followed it up I was like single Gary is the guy who's like at the water cooler talking about how sick is like bachelor pad is like oh yeah that's single Gary he always ol- always wears like button-ups with cuff jeans. When Single Gary out. Single Gary is like a listener of this podcast and if we were to have like an untucked ad, Single Gary would like get an untucked shirt and like think he looked awesome in it. He probably does. no free ads on, on sponsor the pod Untuckit. Yeah, no free ads, but Single Gary, you suck, but we also love you. Um yeah, and this game was physical. It was the game plan was in the fourth quarter they just Full out, we're running cover zero, classic Don Martindale fashion. Um, A lot, a lot, a lot. Obviously uh, culminating in the Marcus Peters pass breakup to win the game on fourth down. And they were running one-on-one. Earl Thomas did not play, you know, single high or that cover three buffer in the middle of the field a ton in this game. He was in the box. He was blitzing a ton. Feels like he was in Josh Allen's face a ton. Uh, Had a couple hits on him and Allen was just off 17 of 39, 150 yards. This was the first game in eight games that he had not scored two touchdowns for the Bills and the Bills struggled offensively as a whole. Devin Singletary did have a couple plays here and there and there were a couple intermediate shots Um, and I mean we had Nate from Buffalo Rumblings on and he kind of told us Josh Allen isn't connecting on deep balls and he had one nice throw to Dawson Knox that was a great catch that kind of just lodged right into his shoulder pads but other than that Allen was wildly inaccurate at times today two very good defenses battling the Bills had a good game plan they had a couple extra days rest and uh, did kind of the opposite of what the 49ers did they didn't go hit the running back they blitzed and kept those outside linebackers on the outside Lamar was not able to Get a ton of ground. He ran OK. He had he picked up three first downs, I believe, on some of those outside runs, was able to do some things, obviously had a highlight, little double hezzy shimmy, similar to what we saw him do to Tyron Matthew in Kansas City. But uh seemed like, yeah, like you said, just bringing it back, all the way back is defense won the game. Offense made just enough plays without Mark. Got to give a shout out to Judon. Great game. Judon played his ass off, man. Absolutely. He was all over the field and he has so much speed. He's been getting a lot of run at middle linebacker and kind of blitzing on some delay and dropping into coverage. So Ravens are starting to get pretty creative with him. Um, shout out to Hayden Hurst. Finally, you know, giving the man some touches and he showed what he can do. So that was the, to me, that was the play that won the game. I mean, I know we talked about how the defense won it, but it just felt like the offense had been stacked teetering. Yeah. And it felt like it maybe wasn't going to happen for them that day. Coming out of the half, Lamar just drops back and finds Hurst somehow wide open over the middle as he takes a massive shot uh, and Hurst did the rest. I mean, people maybe talked about his speed and the fact that he's 40 years old. That's fine, but he uh, he had an awesome game today. If you throw him the ball and throw him an accurate pass, he catches it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's a guy who you kind of feel bad for the fact that he's just not getting any run and maybe somewhere else he would be a very good starter, but Mark Andrews has been amazing this year. Boyle is, you know, maybe just as good as Hurst in his own right in a different way, but Andrews Uh, he went out early on hit to the knee there was some concern about an injury John Harbaugh says it is a contusion and he will be playing on Thursday night versus the Jets Very good news. Anthony Levine as well. So Mark Andrews has a giant bruise. Uh, We kind of saw that with Tyler Lockett recently, which is destroying my fantasy team. I know you guys all care. Yeah, I care. Can you talk more about that? No, but so, yeah, I love what I saw from Hurst. And to me, it was a tough day for Lamar Jackson. He ends up with two touchdowns, has the pick that was three, I think, actually three touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. Hurst, uh, Sneed and a run and Boyle. He had the little backyard play with Boyle. Remember, it was the first talk show. You're right. He, right, he has that guy out And he was getting tackled And he yep. just flipped, flipped it, it. Yeah. Wow three passing touchdowns I didn't even realize Thought he had two and pick it's, it and, Well it's horrible. funny because Yeah you don't remember that And it's kind of looked at As like a ho-hum game for him But he was it's three touchdowns Three TDs one pick And a ton of yards on the ground Went over 1,000 Definitely not One of his best games this season um, Still chasing Vic's uh, Single season rushing record too But he did go over 1,000 today Crazy 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 stuff He'll definitely He's the team's that. leading rusher Right I mean it's yeah, not, Yeah He'll definitely break that Against the Jets on Thursday But for me in this game, Jackson threw some freaking dimes at times, but they were just really, really difficult passes to bring down. I mean, the early one to Andrews—he split two defenders, hit Andrews on the very top knuckle of his fingers. Not a high percentage pass. Um, there was just a few of them. He dropped. That's him. one that I could see Andrews like having to make, but the other one—it was Andrews in the back corner of the end zone. He put it a little too far. I don't think that and one that was, on was the receiver. just another one, and it was like kind of a dime, but it was. It was an s- overthrow. Such a hard play to make. Yeah, it's just it's a low percentage pass to make. I yes. mean, Lamar is an amazing player, and he's having an amazing season. But I mean, even he has his limitations, it was tough. and yeah, I mean, they're every player. Has the Bills' safeties to me were just. Very good, very preventative. They were playing a true safety position where they were preventing things from coming over top, Poyer and Hyde. Uh, they got some pressure on Lamar at times, and uh, those two guys were were definitely cooking. That is the strength to me of this Bills team is those two safeties and kind of preventing the big plays, although we had the Hayden Hurst. I guess that's a blown coverage. They tr- came up in the box. Yeah, right? it definitely some was. Plays. There were two guys like 10 feet behind him. One of them was probably supposed to pick him up for sure. And that kind of happens when you play the Ravens. And it felt like the bills just kind of had a good feel for when the, you know, the inside Mark Ingram pound it was coming. And uh, he actually has run so tough these last two weeks against the 49ers and the bills doesn't have much to show for it stats wise, but tough, tough, tough running five, six guys having to bring him down. As far as the play calling, it felt like, you know, Jake and I, we both have been clamoring for these screens, you and I, and, you know... We've been here before, you and I. You and I uh, have... Been waiting for some screens and some quick hitters. And it seemed like the Bills are playing some off coverage a lot. And then Roman just got super cute with it. I mean, he had he, that was a problem. We were saying in the Slack chat all game that if you just put the guys in the I formation or 11 personnel and just, you know, line it up to go power and just push it down their throats. You're having success doing that. So why not keep going back to that? He would do that. And then he'd be like, all right, you know what? Let's change it up a little bit, try and get some deception going. But they just there weren't were having two instances where the Ravens had the ball and had gotten a first down and then had three passing attempts. And it was in that mix of like reverse screen throwback. Yeah, that. So they had that one screen where Hollywood Brown came in motion. Lamar kind of faked it to him, ran the other way, and then went back to him on a throwback, essentially. And it lost like seven yards, and it stalled out a drive Uh, that could have been a touchdown easily. They were looking great, and they had to settle for a field goal. And right there, I mean, I want to. If you were, I I get it. Sure, I was expecting them to try to maybe stretch the Bills horizontally to throw it over top of them. They didn't throw over top of them again. Again. And it just felt cute. It felt like a cute game when the Ravens were winning at the line of scrimmage. We saw a really good day out of the offensive line for the most part. Um, I would have liked to see a little bit more Gus Edwards in this game. I felt like he was getting some good run and doing some really nice things as far as vision and bouncing outside. And Four carries, 20 yards. Nice. Yeah, I would like to see 10 carries for Gus and, you know, 13 for Ingram. And uh, it was obviously a tough day to throw the ball. We saw both quarterbacks. The split kind of so. feels about right to me. You had 15 for Ingram. 11 for Lamar, and then 4 for Gus, 3 for Justice Hill. So that kind of feels to me right, but it just the production kind of wasn't there. Yeah, Bills did a good job um, limiting some of those options and stuff, and Lamar had a couple plays blown up. Uh, was, more, uh, was today Earl Thomas's first sack? No, last week he had a half sack. So, so does is, that count, though? Yeah, This is his know, first you. solo sack, Jim. Yeah, first solo sack. We'll count this one. Okay. We'll count this. As long, yeah, as long as we count it, that's what that's yeah, what matters. That one, it, it was clean. This was, this was uh, you know, no other credit can be due to anyone else. He got his first solo sack. So. Yeah, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm just no, looking at the good. box. Yeah, block. more stuff. Throw some more stuff at us. What do you see? Uh, So it's, yeah, Earl Thomas was definitely the most productive on the field. He had six tackles, the sack. Uh, Chuck Clark, uh, five tackles. I thought he looked okay. He had some play. Very know. scary when he went down for a moment. Very scary. Yeah, definitely. LJ Fort chipping in a sack, a ha- sack and a half from Judon. Jalen Ferguson picking up another one he was abusing guys at times um, he, there was one single Terry run that went for maybe 12 15 yards on a power where he would have liked to see him kind of crash in more but he held the edge I think he learned his lesson he also had that personal foul and we didn't see that one either yeah never no. saw it no camera angle of what happened after the play uh, extended that drive again, yet again but yeah Ferguson to me was really powerful he blew into Cody Ford a few times and kind of dominated some plays crashed some stuff inside side. <laughs> The thing I don't understand from the Bills is why not run the ball to the outside? I mean, they just didn't do it. I mean, they just felt Singletary like they Niners had did. success doing it with Singletary. They, I think they tried it twice. Had like 20, 20 of Singletary's like 59 yards rushing. That's what, yeah, that would have been my game plan. You saw Shanahan doing what, with uh, Raheem Mozart there, and they were making some uh, great exactly. ma- you know music out there on the field. And they they just, attacked Marcus Peters, the 49ers, and we saw them do that. The Bills do that. Do so yes. at your own peril. I mean, he has some bad games sometimes, but. I'm saying in the run game. Like run outside at him. That's fair. That's a good idea to me. Marlon Humphrey has had a lot of penalties lately, but has played extremely well, playing tough football, physical brand of football, making plays downfield. No completions allowed. I mean, nothing over top in weeks. And he's in that nickel. And we've talked about it. You know, I feel like he's getting a better grasp for it on some of those moves. And uh, there was a crossing route to John Brown that he covered. And he's fast. He can cover those crossing routes that are so popular in the NFL today. Just very a lot of corners. If you ask him, I know Darius Slay was talking about them uh, last week with Brian Baldinger in uh, some extent and saying that's the hardest route to cover. I mean, you just got to catch up to a receiver. Receivers are fast and it's hard when they get inside leverage to make a play on a well-thrown ball, and I feel like Marlon defends those really well. So, yeah, secondary as a whole pretty pretty damn good job. Um, they get, yeah, they came apart against the run. It felt like a lot. Yeah. Um, you had Bynes, like we talked about, bursting through the line and score machine. made a huge play. Uh, he had a sack as well. One. Yeah, he, yeah he, he's awesome, dude. I love Josh Bynes. He's been maxed out. He is playing at 100% capacity and very physical. And I, <sighs> running the ball inside against Brandon Williams and Michael Pierce is an act in futility don't don't do it i mean it doesn't work Brandon Williams hustling, making plays 20 yards downfield. also. Yeah, he, yeah he was turning it up and uh, running guys down. It kind of reminded me of, uh, Tory Smith told a story about when he was like a rookie and when he realized that like the play speed was different in the NFL, how he like took a screen and thought he was gonna take it to the house. He got like 10 yards and he got tackled and he turned around and it was a dinata. nada. That's kind of what I was thinking of when I saw Brandon Williams making those plays. You're play like, how is that even? It's like, yeah, the speed of these guys, like even if they're the bigger dudes, it's just, you know, unreal. It's like instinct over speed. It's like, you You know they just take a good angle and stuff like that, and we saw Brand Williams making plays downfield. Pierce seemed like he was effective against the pass rush or against the pass, pardon me, and uh, creating a lot of commotion. Had a, I believe, two quarterback hits of Josh Allen. Um, Allen was pressured and hit in over half of his dropbacks, which was crazy. He threw the ball 39 times, uh, was sacked a few times as well. So the Ravens pass rush really won this game. That front seven had probably their best game of the year, uh, by my estimation and held the Bills to field goals, had penalties, and then end up, we get to the fourth quarter and... Bills get walked down the field, say what you want about it, whatever. You have to deal with it. Wink goes cover zero for like the fourth time in five plays. Marcus Peters just swallows. So you had you had that one that was the game winner, obviously. But what Mm. about the one before it where the Ravens score? It becomes 24 to nine. It feels like it's pretty much out of reach at that point. But then you have Dawson Knox mossing Chuck Clark for. open. That wasn't a moss. That was just like perfect ball placement. Was it? Okay. You call it what you want it, but Chuck Clark got kind of posterized on that one. Knox catching it one hand, like in the crook of his elbow, basically. Yeah. And then what happened to like further to that point to just allow them to keep driving down the field and score a touchdown because it felt like the game was out of reach. And then the defense kind of little shades of DNPs there. Yeah. And the bills were able to kind of do some outside stuff. They started running some trips and kind of leaking out into the flat that uh, was ended up being, and I know I saw uh, what's his name, Rusty report head guy uh, blanking on his name, Tony Lombardi, Tony Lombardi tweeting about how Jimmy Smith is a liability. It's just a tough, I mean, it was a tough play. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of an overreaction. I think he had a good game of, girl I do too. I think he had a really good game. Tough coverage, laying some hits on guys to push them out of bounds, making sure they paid for catching the ball. But it was a good play and went trips. The D- DBs are communicating about who's going to handle what on that trips. Beasley comes in motion, gets a you know a step on Smith and just runs that flat route. It was a good play design. Um, maybe you know maybe Marlin can make that play, but Marlin's a speed speedy guy and able to do some of that stuff that Jimmy Smith. I mean, lets up a two yard touchdown. What do you want to roast him for that? It wasn't you know some horrible play, but. Yeah, he did kind of get victimized there, definitely, but it felt like more just good play design as opposed to, like, Cole Beasley is just mossing him or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It was, uh, it was getting him out in space and ran a flat route with a very quick receiver, and you're worried he's going to cut back inside, so, you know, Allen put a ball on... The Ravens held the Bills to field goals. Other than that, Hauschka had a pretty good day kicking, I'd say. Uh, had a couple, you know, right down the middle, a couple 40-plus yarders. And um, when the defense needed a play, they, they made them. And they really made them time and time again in, in that final drive. And then penalties took them away. Uh, there was a few times where defense got gashed with some little chunk gains and some little chunk plays. Cole Beasley started to kind of turn it on in the second half with a few catches. And uh, some of the Devin Singletary rushing plays were getting into the second level a bit. But overall, nothing deep. No, you know, we had the Dawson Knox play. It was, you know, it is what it was. Like you said, it was a well-placed ball. Knox was able to reach out with one hand and snag that one. But that wasn't a backbreaker at all. Just kind of gave the Bills a little better field position there. So great day overall from the defense. Josh Allen's going to be sore. Let's just leave it at that. dude. Yeah, he got worked. It looked like he injured his ankle at one point, too. They were looking at him. I think they taped it up for him. I thought he might have been concussed on one play and they just let him go back on out on the field. So that was sick. Um, But yeah, he got absolutely crushed today. Like I said, I think that was a big thing for Wink is like the only way to kind of stop this guy is to try and rough him up a little bit. And I tweeted out, I mean, you got to respect him for just kind of being a tank and taking all that punishment. Yeah, and, I mean, the comparison to Cam Newton's there, and I like it. I see a lot of the same shades. You know, maybe uh, Cam might have been a little bit more developed as a passer a little earlier, a little bit more accurate, but, you know, the ability to stand in and take shots and deal with— I think uh, it's fair to say, like, small school Cam Newton. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, small school Cam Cam Newton. Um, But, yeah, Allen, you know— He was tough. He was gritty. He uh, wasn't able to beat the Ravens today. Didn't definitely didn't have a great game, but you know, I still feel the same way that he's a decent quarterback, and you know, we saw the Ravens. It meet. feels like he's Russell just Wilson looks silly. He's like perfect for this team in this city. Yeah, he's just kind of a you know, no. There's nods. a lot made about the comments that he made of saying it wasn't a big game, but that's what you want to hear. You just want to treat it like any other game. It's a, it's week to week. Come into work, you know, get. it. I mean, in. Lamar says the same thing every week. I'm sure he said that leading up to like the Patriots game, exactly. which obviously was a huge exactly. I'm just doing my job, playing football. Like that's what you want to hear. People wanted to make something about that, act like it was offensive. It wasn't. It gave a ton of respect to the Ravens before and after the game so uh, I'm a fan of Josh Allen I like I like the way he plays Ed Oliver was a unit today for them um, there was also a really impressive pass breakup on a crucial third and five Lamar rolled to his right we saw Lorenzo Alexander the ageless wonder one of them in the NFL I believe he's 36 years old uh, they, they have two of them on their team yeah, Frank Gore. Yep. One on each side of the ball. The old man captains. Um, Gore didn't do a ton, but he just, he'll just burrow. He's just a little armadillo. He'll just burrow in, get four yards, cloud of dust. all like that good stuff. But Alexander was able to leap and uh, break up a pass that was going to be completed to Seth Roberts. And we kind of saw Seth Roberts after the game talking to Lorenzo Alexander. Seems like they're probably laughing about that. But Bill's defense made some plays, made some uh, good, had good coverage downfield. And uh, aside from that Hayden Hurst play, I mean, how much of the Ravens offense, I believe that was a 63 yard touchdown. The Ravens had 253 yards and Hayden Hurst accounted for 63 of those on that one play. So uh, that play really, as you said, made the difference. Then the Ravens, Made a stand. We were gassing up Bills Mafia uh, for good reason heading into this game. It's not often that we talk about another team's fan base like that. But what does it say about the state of them that when a piece of paper flew onto the field, I started laughing because I thought it was going to be something of pornographic nature. uh, But it just wound up being part of the Ravens playbook that Tredavious White was sneaking a peek at. That was hilarious when he did that. It was funny. I I saw some tweets that were saying, you know, like, Belichick immediately wants a trade for Trey White. (laughs) We had the... (laughs) Yeah. So he already did that with uh, Stefan Gilmore, but we had the um, it was a big day for Belichick with the Chiefs equipment being delivered to New Jersey. Oh My God, that was it's it's I feel like I'm watching a movie this year in the NFL. Like how speak it? Yeah. Speaking of which it's not, you know, it, let's say the Vikings and the Lions play the Vikings equipment or the Lions Excuse me. The Lions equipment doesn't end up in wherever the hell Ohio or something. Of the Patriots opponent's equipment is, is breaking down. Speaking of which, 23-16 Kansas City leads with four minutes to go. Patriots, of course, just ran another trick play. That's uh, all they got. Thinking, thinking with James White, halfback pass to Jacoby Myers. And they're going to score and definitely win this game. Ravens are looking at the number one seed uh, alone at the top if uh, Kansas City is able to pull this out. So we're going to be rooting for them hard. But uh, yeah, I would probably bet my life savings on the Patriots winning this. I disagree. I think you're uh, I think you just lost the house. I think Chiefs will walk away. But yeah, this is interesting. And I just big picture and we'll get back into some other things from the game. Sure. But big picture. It just feels inevitable that the Ravens will play the Patriots and the Chiefs in the postseason. Well, yeah, I mean, Ravens they're those are the three good teams in the AFC. Yes. The Texans stink. Yeah. Yes. They just lost to the Broncos at home, like 38-24. The Titans, I don't trust, but I also don't <laughs> and, trust Well, this them. is the Ryan Tannehill breakout year, so you should trust them. I do to an extent, and I really like them. I think they might win that division, and I could see them winning the game in the playoffs. Uh, they have some excitement going on there in Tennessee. Their defense has very, very underrated players. Harold Landry, Logan Ryan Smith. They have guys. a good roster, yeah. They do. That's, They've always drafted bad. well, yeah. Yeah, they develop talent well. They got uh, Jeffrey Simmons back, and he's been apparently making some plays. I didn't get to watch that in full but feels inevitable the Ravens are going to play the Chiefs and or the Patriots depending on how things pan out in the playoffs those are kind of the three powerhouses it feels like in the AFC so uh, feels like all roads lead to those two matchups And we've now seen the Ravens win every way possible in every game possible. The defense has stood up. The special teams has stood up. The offense has blown the doors off of defenses. So this is truly a complete Ravens team. And that's why, I mean, football outsiders has them as one of the, what, 12 best teams Ever. in history. Yeah. Um so this Ravens team is now 11 and 2 for the first time in franchise history. Feels kind of dirty to say almost. It's just like too good to be true. It's not real. Um yeah, it's we're living in the simulation and uh the Ravens are the ones, you know, pressing one one Um they're doing it all. They're winning these sloppy close games, two games in a row after a very hard-fought 49ers battle. Uh, not even to mention that game the Niners and the Saints was that looked sick I only saw the end of it, but I was watching on red zone a good bit and Jimmy G uh, uh, Played really well. So uh, good for him. Yeah, sure. Good for him uh, a crazy crazy game there So had uh, Marcus Peters after the game-winning play ran up into the stands and shotgun to beer Yeah, he was like actually drinking beer. Uh, hey Marcus. Maybe don't fake drink when you're you know, trying to uh, do your job. Hey Marcus He's probably like drinking Henny on the plane right now, like getting crunk. He's a f- wild boy. He, he was talking smack again today. Rolled up a bunch of backwoods and just hot hotboxed the back <laughs> of the plane. <laughs> drinking cognac. Judon's rolling down the aisle as the plane takes off. And and he just stopped l- in the Buffalo area Taco Bell and just <laughs> loaded <laughs> <it> up. <laughs> Pulls out his gold Taco Bell card. Crunch wrap it up, baby. Put some buffalo wings in there. Yeah, geez. Uh, But yeah, exciting win. Sloppy win. Ravens aren't able to do a ton on the ground. Really, the offense just feels pretty good in the red zone. Able to get that little flip to Nick Boyle when the Bills were kind of making a stand and making it tough between the tackles. Would have liked to see a little bit more Gus Edwards. Would have liked to see a little bit more Mark Ingram. Tom Brady just converted a fourth and six with a 17-yard run. He was moving so slowly. Pats are going to lose still. But uh, yeah, so this offense, the defense has not allowed. And that's the real takeaway from today. The defense has not allowed over 20 points in 10 weeks, including the bye now. So, they're, yeah, I mean, they're the reason that they've gone this run. Yeah, absolutely. They and were the reason they started off poorly, and them turning around is the reason by their eleven and two. Right. The offense has remained. I mean, put up twenty eight in Cleveland or against Kansas. The State. offense has just done its th- done its thing. I think outside of the Miami game and the char- in the chart uh, in the Rams game, I think they've just kind of and been the Texans and the Texans game. Yeah, they've just which is three games to be fair. <laughs> in a sixteen game season. Sick hashtag analysis by me there, but yeah, it feels like they've kind of consistently just been very good, and the defense pulling it together to also be very good has been the story of the year. Absolutely, and the improvement the. Mid- season takeaway so able to see on the fly and I don't recall an NFL team doing it in my uh, you know 15 years of being a pretty close football watcher I don't recall a team being able to adjust and make acquisitions bring guys in off the street that play significant snaps on defense and able to make such a difference with an entirely different unit almost we saw Jihad Ward get in the mix today we saw those two linebackers that were brought in and we got Pekka, Pekka Peter Piper Pico. Pekka. Peter. Piper packed a pack of damata Pico's, and uh, he was in the mix quite a bit as well. So this defense is playing lights out with those uh, stud cornerbacks and Earl Thomas patrolling. So uh, it was, you know, another good Ravens win. Yeah, it was. It was uh, the toughest game remaining on the schedule, I think. Yeah, for sure it has to be on the road and playing a nine-win team. So now we get the Jets on Thursday night. That feels like. <laughs> That's a quick turnaround. That feels like I'm going to feel bad watching that almost, but I'm. This was a physical last game. I mean, they have to turn around in three days, and I know it's Jets, and you're at home, but. I've already. My liver is clenching at the thought sick. of. There's a. That is the. Don't stop. That is the perfect game to go balls to the wall. Tailgating. It's a night game. Jets stink. Ravens going to blow the doors off of them. You got a ticket for me? I might be able to get you one. You got to sit behind me. But um, that game is going to be a night-night game. I would want to sit in front of you so I could stand up and like kind of give you shit. And then you could be the down in front guy. Hey, shit! Down in front, down in front. Every dad ever with the down in front. <laughs> hey, uh, oh, good thing we paid good money for these seats. <laughs> Got stand they, up the whole knees time. If don't work and they can't just stand and be excited. I used to uh when we shout had shout all the depressive dads. Out when there. we had our season tickets back in the day, I actually uh, was in front of an old man that just never stood. And he would always yell at us to sit down. It's uh, literally Ray Lewis's last game, <laughs> last home game against the Colts. Uh, the guy would not stand up for. Any single play, any moment, and like eventually I was just like, "Fuck you, man!" Like I'm just, I'm the standing. refused this. to lose, and that man refused to stand. Yeah, good for you, Frank. Go sit Jerry, somewhere else. Yeah, sit in sit in the front Steve, row. Steve. I think Dennis. He Dennis Orson. Orson. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking old man names, I can give you some old man names. I think we covered most of them. Todd. Nah, that's not that old. Todd's like 50. Todd's a Gen X. Yeah, Todd's 50 max. Um, But yeah, so otherwise, Sam Cook had a good game. Herschel. Some uh, good punts there, airing the ball out and pinning them deep. Ravens were able to convert in the red zone. Defense was able to make stops. Herbert. (laughs) Herbert. Able to make some good stops in the red zone other than that one nice little uh, drive the Bills got rolling the one time Horace We also saw you know something that was very unique that we saw Horace Woodrow Horace is a very good one Nathaniel Nathan, well, Nate. I mean, Nathaniel. I guess it'll be Nathan. Nathaniel. Um, there were three iterations of the word of the name Nathaniel. Yeah, you can break it down anyway. It's my middle name, actually. Shout out to me. I do. I knew that. Yeah, actually. Yeah. S N S. Maybe. But um, we saw some interesting plays Peter. today. One of them for me was Chuck Clark standing. Chuck. Behind that's one. That's a. Chuck man. is one. Charles standing behind. Josh Allen, which was like in Madden, what you do to someone when they're like beating you and you're just like annoyed. He just went and stood behind Josh Allen. That's an awesome screen grab. It it is it yeah. it and the off the right guard from the Bills was like, what the hell is this guy doing? Looking back. The Marv, shot Marvin. Uh, Marvin, Marty, Marty, Albert, Marty. Yeah, Marty's a good one. Albert, Marty, Marty <laughs> down in front. <laughs> um, but that was there's a rhythmic similar. ceremonial ritual coming up in a few days. Join the Freemasons; they have great benefits. One point twenty-one gigawatts. <laughs> Should we get out of here? Uh, yeah. What was your play of the day? Play of aside the day, from Hayden Hurst. Give me another aside one. from Hayden Hurst. Okay. Uh, just that fourth down to win it. Fourth down because there win was no it. there was no guarantee they weren't going to throw a flag. I was expecting them to. Regardless, very of what true. Happened. Very true. I was literally like, I told you I was pissed off. I looked at my brother and I was like, All right, so how do they convert this one? Is it going to be a flag? Or are they actually going to like make a play? <laughs> And yeah, you know, credit. I'm to, to recall, and obviously, credit to me, I'll be the big man and admit that I was wrong. But at the same time, it just felt inevitable. Did, what? What did the Bills do on that final drive? Did they do anything? That's sacked. Not that I can think of. What was that? Did, was there a penalty on this? There was a sack and it was like second and 17. Yeah, there was the sack, but I think that 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 wound up being a penalty as well. I don't know. Well, no, they had a fourth and long. They had like a fourth and 18, right? And then that was the, that wound up being the penalty. Yeah, that was the Marlon Humphrey wink went cover zero. I feel like every time I've seen any other team go cover zero on a fourth down, they let up like a 38 yard touchdown. Well, the Ravens won the division doing it last year. Yes, they did. CJ Mosley. Shout out. We miss you, but whatever. Um, Poor guy. guess we don't even get to see you on Thursday. Pussy. Um, but yeah, so for me, play the game was Federal Hill's own CJ Mosley can't return home. His spot. He loved Wayward, dude. Loved Wayward. Oh, I'm Big aware. Wayward guy. Um, yeah, but play the game for me is the uh, strip sack that gives the Ravens you know. That was huge. That kind of turned the momentum of the game a little bit. It started to emerge that the defense it felt like the same. Over. Yeah, it felt like the 49ers game when they did the same thing. And it was like, all right, thank you, defense. Defense is here to play. So this is a complete team. And that's why the rest of the league is scared. And uh breaking news, the Baltimore Ravens now hold sole possession of the number one seed in the AFC. You were right. Go Chiefs for the next 53 seconds. Other than that, I want them to come to Baltimore. I want blood. I yeah, you've blood. been saying that for a while. I want blood. It's I have no interest professed. in seeing that offense here. Uh, oh well, they're going to be in Baltimore, so get yourself ready. Uh, Ravens are then the number one seed. Julian Edelman pissed. Andy Reid not pissed. Um, Kansas is pumped. We got it all going on. Ravens to end the podcast. Number one seed in the NFL, or excuse me, in the AFC. Them and the 49ers are the only 11 win teams. We will see how that pans out in the NFC. That doesn't really affect the Ravens, but we're keeping an eye as the Ravens did play the Seahawks and the Niners. Uh, So we'll be coming to you again, breaking this game down a little further and bringing you a Jets preview with... Connor Rogers of Bleacher Report and the SICKTA Football Podcast. Connor's an awesome guy, big Jets fan, uh, really nice guy. for One of the first guests on the show ever. He came on with me and Voss back in like July, I think. Uh, or no, not even July. It was like maybe June because uh, it was closer to the draft. And he helped break down kind of some of the things that he liked about the Ravens draft. He's also one of our backers in the national media. I know a lot of people have been putting it out there uh, that guys like Adam Lefko, who's also a Bleacher Report guy, Schrager, and Rich Eisen were people kind of early on the bandwagon that this was going to be a good team. I would say he is as well. Yeah. Uh, he definitely showed some love to uh, to the Ravens, you know, going into the season, which is always a nice thing. So he's going to jump on with us. He is, I would assume, slightly depressed about his favorite team right now, but he's going to preview it from Jets perspective. See, too. he might be depressed, but he's such a big draft guy. He's someone very fun to follow during draft season that, like, it'll let him completely immerse himself in the world of the Jets' needs going into next offseason and next season. So silver lining for him, but I'm sure he's pretty pissed. This Jets team, I thought he expected Jets them to good. be good. I was Me talking too. to him. Yeah, he he thought they were going to he picked them to win this game. I remember just like early, like thing. I was like, all right, just, you know, gut feeling. Are you picking them to win against the Ravens? We'll have you on later. He was like, yeah, you know, why not? I think they'll be rolling by that point. They have an easy schedule down the stretch and they're probably going to be in the playoff picture. I expected that, too, to be fair. I did for sure. Wild card at the least. <laughs> You, well, you, you made a little bit of a bigger stance on them, I think. Yeah, I thought they would win their division. and Nope. You should get uh, old uh, old takes exposed on you there. Sure, bring it on. You know what his name is? Fred. That's another old man name. It really? The guy yeah. who runs old takes exposed? Old Fred Siegel. Old takes exposed. Shut I'm, up. I'm calling you out. Fred Siegel. That's not his name. It is, yeah. Fred Siegel? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. But, yeah, so uh, Jets, J-E-T-S in Balmer will be coming to you. We hope you guys enjoyed the Pat Ricard interview. We certainly did. Thanks again to Project Pat. We uh, made sure to wish him congratulations on his contract extension. He is the leading Pro Bowl fullback. Definitely make sure to go tweet Pat Ricard at Pat Ricard at Prick508. Prick508. That's an interesting pronunciation of that. He's a prick on the field. But uh, yeah, go uh, send our boy Project Pat to the Pro Bowl so I can cop myself a Project Pat Pro Bowl jersey. A little alliteration nation there for you. And uh, yes, we'll be bringing it to you live. We'll have Connor Rogers on next. Make sure to give Connor a follow. Kind of go catch up on some of the stuff he's doing if you're interested in the draft season. And uh, we'll be excited to bring you the next episode. And congrats to our t-shirt winner as well. Thanks for the roasts. We'll be having another competition coming soon at some point. Uh, As Jake said, we're trying to get some Baltimore Beatdown podcast merch going because we know you guys love us so much that you want to wear us. Hit us up on Twitter if you would like buy that or be interested in that, because obviously it's tough to kind of gauge. But uh, we would definitely at the very least be interested in doing like a limited edition type thing that we could do for a giveaway. But uh, yeah, if there's widespread interest, we can maybe get some uh, made to order uh, for you fine people. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we might be looking to do maybe a tailgate for a playoff game, see if we can get something going get some listeners out get a tailgate going sometime soon and uh, connect with some of you guys we love you guys so much we'll be getting a mailbag going for the next episode as well I'm sure so make sure to look out on the Instagram and uh, give the people where to follow us Jake you can follow the show on Twitter at podcast Speeddown. you can follow me at Jake Luke that's L-O-U-Q-U-E you can follow Spencer at Ravens Four Dummies that's the number four in the middle uh, please follow the show or subscribe to it wherever you get your podcast leave a five star rating and uh, a review the roasts are over, so please stop with them because they hurt you, my keep feelings going. you very keep going. badly. You can keep going, you can roast Spencer if you want. Um, but yeah, five stars, you can do whatever you want, sure. So, yeah, we hope you enjoyed the interview, and we will talk to you guys again on Monday. See ya, or no, not Monday, Wednesday. See ya, peace.
0: You see, I, don't, I ain't no big sack, man. I don't like sacks, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, sacks take me out of my game. He's I like running from the ball. I like intercessions I like and touchdowns. Uh, busting up the I street. you like. You in the gutter. You yeah, I like that. you in the gutter. I like Body. that. He like the trick work. That boy like to get yeah. down. Like down, to get down and dirty. Dirt. I like busting up the street. Yeah. <laughs> I just like hitting quarterbacks. Yeah. See, that's, that's, what that's my plan. That's a nice I grab a quarterback. <laughs> Slam, bang. bang, bang, bang all